I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Waiting on reparations. Yeah, yeah. We waiting on reparations. Gotta stop it, probably not, not caring what the signs say Try to keep my head on right so I avoid the crime wave Whether at a party or I'm going to a dice game My mind breaks through time space for those who try and play I escape and hide from Jake, trotting like a piston They stop and frisking and tell a nigga stop resisting And I'm only one man, don't got a shot against them The real shit all unite, everybody stop the friction Stop, drop, listen, I'm on a mission Can't take the heat, get out my mama's kitchen <laughs> I said you can't take the heat. Get out my mama's kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What up, y'all? My name's Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting on reparations. To this day. To this day. To this day. How you doing, Mac? I'm good. I'm good. I had a very sloppy 4th of July weekend, but... You know, I'm healthy. I'm alive. Everything's intact, as it were. Oh, snap. I worked on a bunch of new music stuff over the weekend, too. That was fun. Um, Surprisingly, putting together this show every week and trying to make an album, it's it's hard. It's hard. How you doing? How are you a week removed from your first performance of... 2021 i'm in i'm in markedly less pain than i was the night of uh whatever that was yeah Uh, the 28th there 28th yes i uh came home and i was in in unspeakable pain um from just jumping around stomping and flailing and shit but i got in a pool went over to my friend's pool yesterday and floated and um 
Definitely was a far more therapeutic than I'd expected. I was like, my doctor recommended I get in the pool. Like that must be some kind of placebo. Like duh. <laughs> like hmm, you you're yo you have a headache. Drink more water. You know that kind of shit. Like thanks, yeah. bro. But no, I actually got in the pool and it felt like. Oh, how was, like, how was your Fourth uh, of July? Fourth of July was I um actually had our baby shower and so I had a fucking shit ton of people over at my house. So it's very, it's very overwhelming. I'm um, yeah. still getting used to that. Um, but uh, that was good. Didn't really blow up anything. Um, oh, yeah. No, I, I I'm not super it. into that shit not partic- no, partic- for, for myself particularly. You know, I've never really been like that celebra- celebratory. Is that the word? Of yeah, 4th yeah. of July. It's always kind of, you know, 4th of July and Thanksgiving just personally have always been kind of holidays that are about family and friends but not necessarily about what they're meant for to me anyway yeah i will take the excuse to get together with family exactly i will take the excuse but i don't want to talk about freedom like i mean you know i think or pilgrims i'm partially influenced like i remember ice t when i was a kid and i used to listen to him he always used to like mention that in a couple albums he'd be like yeah man bullshit ass thanksgiving we was in chains back then fuck that shit exactly but um yeah let's uh let's get into it we got a pretty dope stacked show for you today we are going to be talking about a little theme that has been recurring lately on the show in the last few episodes, which has been the uh, increase in violent crime and shooting that's the been quote going unquote on. crime wave is quote what unquote I would say. Crime wave, yeah. yeah. I mean the the violent crime or the murder thing at least, you know, it's real, it's in the data, but like one thing we know for certain is that the right wing in this country is definitely gonna start using that whole spectra of as Mariah just said, crime wave and that whole narrative so they can like use that as part of their strategy for the midterms whether and even not just the midterms but like local elections that are going on now might be going on town that you're in right now listening to the show so it's like important that we monitor these things and prepare ourselves because who knows where they're going to take it you know the democratic democrats they're you know they're going to go with the wind on it so if the republicans start you know effectively tagging them with that whole soft on crime narrative we know where this where it can go it happened in the 90s and we've got the fucking dude who did it as president right now so the way i see it if the messaging is good enough to scare enough people that republicans start taking office again and they're doing it all on the campaign of crime is getting out of control we need more cops we need cops to have even longer of a leash and they need to be able to do more things and stop and frisk nationwide all that sort of shit i personally don't have any evidence that suggests the democrats wouldn't eventually go with that and it's just further shifting that overton window of everything being like some fucking right-wing nightmare you know so i think it's something important to address yeah for sure so we're talking about some uh, crime statistics from around the country our thoughts on like why this is happening as well as a very variety of perspectives of those, you know, with various political agendas as well and how they're kind of spinning the data towards their personal ends um, along the way. So, yeah. And in the music discussion, we're going to dig into some songs where MCs paint narratives and portraits to maybe, you know, get 
into the mindset of how some of these violent situations happen in the first place. But all right, we'll get to all that after the jump. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer, and that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney Collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility Dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right. So, you know, just to recap, because we have been mentioning it in some episodes before, but like, how has this recent, I guess, surge in some of this violent crime affected you and in in where you're at? I mean, I um, I would say the uptick in violent crime as 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 a commissioner, I've hit home for me in a number of ways, both in terms of just interpersonally, one on one with constituents, hearing some of the stories they've told and how that's impacted me emotionally, and then like in terms of community organizing. So on the one side, it's been really hard for me, and you know, particularly when we saw our our big spate of shootings back maybe a month, a month and a half ago. Getting calls every day from mothers who are trying to relocate their children because their house had got shot up the night before. Talking to families of folks who had not survived violent exchanges of gunfire. Um, and these kids being very young and sort of just like um, hearing, I guess, like one of the most impactful things is hearing all like the positive things. Because you see in the, the newspaper, like, oh, you know, you know, thug had like you know previous gun charges, whatever kind of bullshit that's drawn straight from the police report. And we know the police lie, and we know the police don't want to tell the full story. And so, getting to hear from these families about how like all the potential these young men had, and like what they meant to their communities, etc. Like it on top of just like you know, it's my job to like do constituent services, but like it's fucking hard sometimes. And then 
I mean, particularly, we've got the violent crime in the community. But what's really unaccounted for, in the, on the data we're going to talk about today, as well as just um, in, in the national rhetoric around this quote-unquote crime wave, is the amount of like police violence and whether or not it has gone up or down um, during this time as a different kind of harm for people who take on very tough on crime stands, you know, citing community violence, they're also leaving out like this other form of state violence that then just perpetuates cycles of harm. Like you got people out here robbing, stealing, assaulting people. And then you got the police out here robbing people, well, kidnapping I mean, people. That's one of the things that, you know, has me particularly concerned. Cause it's like every, at every point within the last like 60 years that, We've had these sort of like national upticks in crime or whatever. It has resulted in police getting their leash, you know what I mean? Getting a longer, a longer leash to, to do their shit. It's it's stuff that yeah. it's like, you know, policies that were set in place back in like the sixties and eighties and stuff like that were still like dealing with the effects of that stuff now you know what yeah. i mean so it's like we don't want to have like another in, you know round of that sort of stuff being yeah. institutionalized and ingrained yeah but i brought up a rise in police violence which i don't have any data to, i don't know where we are at with regards to whether we are seeing a decline or an increase or a stagnation but i mean honestly the thing that impacted me the most is when that man was killed by the cops like around the corner from my house i also probably about a month and a half ago um because I like it stays with me to this day thinking about like I found his Facebook the man that lost his life and literally like two days before this happened he was posting on Facebook like yo can somebody cash at me a dollar so I can go to the gas station and like get some chips like he was so desperate like you know no likes no comments or anything and then you see like in this is early like as, as you get closer to when the shit went down his sense of aggravation that like nobody had his back that he couldn't get ahead in this world that he couldn't provide for his family and then he then then there's a point where like he posted a video where like it's kind of clear he had snapped and um it stays with me man that like nigga just asked just wanted a dollar from somebody reached out to the internet and not and not a soul had his back and when we get later into um and so eventually, yeah, like he was roaming around the streets with a shotgun, tried to rob the pool around the corner from my house, ended up getting shot by police. Um, but yeah, when we get into preventative solutions and prevention and solutions later, we'll dig a little bit more into the linkage between that economic precarity and that emotional state that people get in and how it ends up with sad things like this. People, people in our communities killing each other or people getting killed by the cops. Well, it's good that you brought up, you know, checking the sources of some of these numbers and statistics. So American City saw a 33% increase in homicides last year. And according to a report produced by the Major Cities Chief Association, which is this organization that's comprised of police executives representing the largest cities in the United States and Canada. According to them, 63 of the 66 largest police jurisdictions saw increases in at least one category of violent crime in 2020, which included homicide, rape, robbery, aggravated assault. Now, this is contested because, like, what's happening with with homicides isn't necessarily part of the quote-unquote crime wave. It's actually many crimes from larceny to robbery to rape 
have all dropped during the, they all dropped during the pandemic and they've continued to fall during the first you know few months of 2021. And it's also really important to contextualize this in the in the historical lens of the last 40 or 50 years um, because crime is down like 50% from the 90s still. Um, and so we are seeing like we are seeing an uptick in some forms of violent crime mm-hmm. um, relative to like 2019. Um, but and it seems like, you know, because we've all been in these little boxes for a year and a half, like it's shocking when it goes up a little bit and like you're hearing about a lot of shootings in the community. And then but you add we, it to we, our 24 hour news cycle and like yeah. how, you know, you just you see more stuff now. You see it's more hard stories. To remember what it was like in the 90s. Like you kind of like either you get nostalgic about it and like kind of look at it from that lens or just like it's hard to like recall how bad it used to be i mean for me i was barely even alive back then um and so i've grown like during the course of my life crime has just fallen and fallen and fallen in most major cities um the entire time i've been alive and so it's like um i think it's hard for people to remember how far we have come with regards to violent crime um because it's so shocking when it does slightly uptick as it has in this like transition out of the pandemic time well, a lot of it is messaging, too. That's what, you know, I was barely alive back then, too, but I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like a little kid. Yeah. And it's like, from what I remember comparing it to now is it was just the messaging of it was a lot more deliberate back then. And now, whether it's deliberate or not, it's just more ubiquitous now. You know, like back then, in order to, like, be ginned up and scared about, like, oh, crime is increasing, crime is increasing. It's like, you have to be watching the news. You know, and it's like now you've got Facebook, you've got um, Twitter, you've got Instagram. And it's like you, you know, if you just like scroll in it or you look at the trending topic, it's like depending on what city you're in, like stuff is going to be trending. Local news stories are going to be trending. And it's just like a saturation of it that if you spend even a few minutes looking at it, you're like, oh, man, shit is out of control. This is like there's this like people are going crazy left and right it's like you know when it's really just isolated stories but you're getting bombarded with all these different all this you know different media and messaging that you kind of go along with the flow it's like oh man i, I guess we have a crime wave like yeah that- i mean the so the, i guess the broader category of violent crime has only really increased about three percent this year according to preliminary data from the fbi on a large subset of cities but it's homicides in particular that have increased as other crimes fell I think with this, the, the fact that, like, yeah, it seems like things are going crazy because, like, one homicide is enough. Like, there's no acceptable number of people to lose their lives ever. Um, and so if you hear about, you know, six, it might be less than you had heard about growing up. But, I mean, from my perspective, it's like that's six families, that's six schools that lost a student, that's six churches that lost a you know, a member, etc. It's a whole um, bunch of lives ruined. Yeah, and then, and then beyond that, beyond like the very real impact of like, yo, I'm not, I'm not downplaying this because homicide is incredibly, um, it's just incredibly painful for a community to experience. Um, also, the fact that it gets clicks when things like people are scared. Mm-hmm. So when they hear about all these homicides, like they stay glued to their TV enough to see their Ducalax commercial. Uh, so, or whatever, because they're like fucking freaked out that it seems like the crime is surging. So I wanted to run this by you. It's something that I came across in CNN, and it just—I just wanted to get what your thoughts were about it. All right. So 
in this article on CNN, they were saying experts point to a perfect storm of factors, economic collapse, social anxiety from the pandemic, depolicing in major cities after protests that called for the abolition of police departments, shift in police shifts in police resources from neighborhoods to downtown areas because of those protests and the release of criminal defendants pre-trial or before sentences were completed to reduce the risk of COVID spread in jail. All may have contributed to a spike in homicides. Now, it says COVID has seemed to exacerbate everything. Officers sometimes had to quarantine because of exposure to cases in their ranks, reducing the number of officers available in patrol. I, the reason that I wanted to ask you about your thoughts of that is, like, as an abolitionist, like, what do you yeah. say to, like, something like that? Say To what part specifically? To specifically the, you know, the rationale that officers having to quarantine during COVID so they're having to reduce the number of well, police officers out there. Well, that's their fucking fault because these dumbasses don't wear any fucking masks anywhere they go. No, 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 but I was saying, like, them or, saying or, that or, that reduction, or, in, yeah. like, contributed to an increase of crime. Like, I mean, I don't believe I don't believe police pre- prevent crime, and so I don't believe that excuse. Um, they, I mean, it might have affected their response rates with regards to following up after crimes have already occurred because that's all they fucking do. Um, but I don't think that I don't buy I don't buy that excuse because I think it's it's propaganda to get them more money. That's what they want you to think. The same thing yeah. with the whole de- depolicing argument. It's like, well, oh, we were all demoralized and you all didn't want the cops around, so we, you know, we pulled up, you know, we like, you know, rolled up our carpet and went home, took our ball and went home. Yeah. And that uh, caused an increase in crime. There's it's a like study the, done. Yeah. At- a study done in Kansas City. I can't remember quite when. It was pretty old. And, you know, I don't know if it had been duplicated empirically. So the findings of it could be considered preliminary. But they had, um, they did an experiment to see the effects of police visibility on crime rates in three different zones in the city. They sent extra cops to one zone. They kept another zone the same. And then they sent out less cops to the third zone. And they found no substantive difference in the reported rates of, of victimization, crime rates, um, increase in traffic, fatalities, anything. Yeah. Like, literally, not, like, it did not impact at all the degree to which crime was happening or people were being victimized in these three different areas of the of city of Kansas. I don't know City. why people have so this, like, like uh, imagination that shit is fucking gangs in New York. And, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, like, roaming street gangs for us to need, like, patrolmen just all, all over the place. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are they really preventing? Are they really preventing anybody from doing anything illegal that they're going to do anyway? You wait for the cop car to go by to go and then away. you exactly. steal the And then gyms. you do what you're going to do. Yeah. Or, you know, or you just do it blunt, like, straight up in their face because you ain't scared of them. Or... Like, whatever. Um, and, and the fact of, like, oh, you need fear. Like, let's talk about how fall we, far we have fallen. If the, we, we believe that the only way we can get people to not do bad things is scare them with punishment. Like, that's, I think it's just a really sad state of affairs because a lot of people who don't do crimes because they don't want to hurt other people. And that is an ethos that we are failing through preventative means to, like, fully seed in the culture um, and I don't think it's and I don't think it's impermeable. I don't think it's immutable. I don't think it's like, oh, we can't change it. We have to rely on police because people don't care about each other. It's just like a failure to like believe that people aren't naturally like that and it's something socialized into them. 
that can be socialized out in a generation or so if we were just like focused on having that as a component of education etc anyway i'm going off but like yeah i mean any sort of uh, pretty much anything cops have to say about white crimes going up i don't care because they're (laughs) lying to get more money and i don't care about them so (laughs) so um uh, in chicago homicides are up 33 percent in the first three months of the year compared to 2020 while shootings are up nearly 40% in the same period year over year. In New York City, the NYPD data shows murders jumped by nearly 14% through March 28th. Uh, the latest number the department has made public while shootings were up nearly 50%. Yeah, so, so this again, is those are all year, police numbers. Yeah, police numbers, also year over year numbers. So compared to 2020, when everyone was inside and not mm-hmm. like taking their guns to the club or whatever, yes, homicides are up. But let's look at those numbers from, let's say, 1988, right? Exactly. Um, And so, yeah, it's shocking because, like, life is going back to normal. Um, And But, like, the bottom has fallen out of our economy and the social fabric of our communities. And so people are out here fucking, they're getting out back in the streets and they're fucking killing each other. Duh, bitch. Like, it's unfortunate. But, like, what y'all think is going to happen if niggas be inside for a whole year and a half, lost their job, have to stay home with their kids because the kids are in online school. They ain't got no, you know, ain't got no money. So they, they, you know, economic, that economic anxiety you're talking about, the fuck else you think gonna happen? Duh. But still, it's not as quite, quite as bad as we may have seen 30 or 40 years ago. Um, data also show that there's the rise in homicides likely translated into an additional 4,000 or 5,000 people killed across the country compared to the year before, according to early estimates. Cities that have never seen decreases in gun violence to match the overall national trend were hit especially hard. So places like Philadelphia and St. Louis returned, returned close to the historic highs for the number of people killed in a single year, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, Early data suggests that the homicides increase isn't necessarily happening at random, but that the additional violence is clustered in disadvantaged neighborhoods of color that were already struggling with higher gun rates of violence before the pandemic even happened. So that's according to a criminologist, Richard Rosenfeld, who's done who's authored multiple national reports on crime and violent trends. So have you you know, obviously, we talked about some of those personal uh, instances but just overall, like, have you noticed, like, or, or heard of any sort of uh, national carry through and have that affecting Georgia or I mean, your district? Honestly, honestly, what I'm seeing is akin to what we see. At, like, we see a spike in crime every summer, and be it kids are out of school and acting up in the streets more. There's more parties in the summertime, and so people get intoxicated, and then emotions get high. Um, or it's just the fucking weather. It's hard to know, but it feels like every single summer we see a spike in shootings. Um, and so I am seeing these patterns in my district, but I am also able to put them somewhat more into like a recent historical perspective of like a cycle that we free- we continue to experience um, because we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results with regards yeah. to crime prevention. Um, so the the spike that I feel like we are seeing. Like, I feel like I've seen this before. Like, I feel like we're, oh, we're back here now. Uh, definitely, I've seen it increase, but uh, it's like, except for last summer, I mean, 2019, 2018, 2017, I feel like, I feel like it's, summer has always felt like this when it comes to 
uh, violent crime in the districts. Well, as we're going to get into in a second, um, some of this might, you know, definitely is going to have a relationship to guns. You know, it's America, so everything kind of comes down to guns. A preprint study from researchers at the University of California, Davis, which has not yet been peer-reviewed, just so that you know, um, suggested a spike in gun purchases during the early months of the pandemic was associated with, with the nearly 8% increase in gun violence from March through May or about 776 additional fatal and non-fatal shooting injuries nationwide. The researchers found that states that had lower levels of violent crime pre-COVID saw a strong connection between additional gun purchases and more gun violence. And that is from The Guardian. So places that didn't have a lot of guns before, some people went and bought guns, and then everyone was shooting each other. Huh, what exactly, because wow. everyone has guns and... Community groups say that the pandemic forced them to shutter prevention programs and created huge challenges for the work of violence interrupters who rely on close relationships and in-person interventions with people at risk of shootings or being shot. Yeah, so even the preventative measures that places had started to, you know, expand on or, or see, you know, seed and then you know, later grow, um, or, or even things that aren't explicitly crime preventative, but like do help strengthen the social fabric of a neighborhood stuff like a lot of our tutoring programs um churches um different kinds of leisure services activities for the young folks like without those around like people isolate and they go a little stir crazy and they're making bad decisions and and then yeah i mean but even this work of like these interpersonal relationships these folks working within like violence interruption cultivate like how you know social distancing mass everything all that shit fell apart so what did you think was going to happen? I don't want to repeat myself because I feel like I've said this the last two episodes, but I just don't, I don't even understand how even like the most bad faith person or right wing, but whatever, I don't even know how, understand how you can even be like genuinely susceptible to like not understanding what's going on. You know what I mean? We all live through the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how many people do we know, or if you're not one of them who lost the job? You know what I'm saying? So we like all know how hard this last year was. And it's like I'm I personally I don't like I don't like making excuses for people who kill people. You know what I mean? It's like there's never a reason yeah, to yeah. take a life. Life's pre- like all that shit. But at the same time it's like like you said, what do you expect is going to happen? Like millions yeah. of people went out of work. Everyone was inside, everyone was nervous. There was a point in time when we didn't know if this shit was about to be fucking outbreak times 2. You know what I'm saying? Then, then like the 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 turmoil in the summer happened. It's just like all of it to me seems like, you know, one plus one equals two. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, we did a bunch. Of, there were a bunch of like kumbaya. We're all in this together, ass fucking like celebrity TikToks or I don't know. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there was sounds of like, oh, you know, we all live through this pandemic. We know what it's like. Like. For some people, a lot bet for a bunch of rich conservatives that are clutching their pearls about roving gangs of BLM and Tifa, you know, riding <laughs> through their begonias in their front yard. Um, they don't. They didn't live in the same world we did for the pandemic. Yeah. In terms of like seeing, like losing jobs, losing income, seeing friends lose income, seeing friends get sick and not be able to afford to go to the hospital, like. Um, yeah, seeing friends and family, you know, become homeless because they couldn't afford childcare. There was nowhere to send their kids, and their kids were in online school, so they had like quit their jobs. And then they, you know, they didn't have any money. They have, they couldn't pay rent and get kicked yeah. out of the house. 
Like all so all this kind of crazy stuff. There's tons of people who did not see any of that. Um, who are most of whom are well, I would say a lot of people who are making a lot of the decisions for our country mm-hmm. have no proximity to the reality of the pandemic for low income people whatsoever. Like, I mean, um, there's so yeah, it does not occur to them. It's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. We always worked from home, right? It's like, uh, not niggas. Some people was working in Publix and like didn't have any health insurance and are dead now. And just because that you shit know, like, is just because you know, like shit is starting to open back up, doesn't mean that people aren't going to be feeling the effects from everything that you know we just went through for years to come. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some police officials and their allies have asserted that last summer's big volatile protests against police violence. Diverted police resources and attention away from their normal patrols. And they have also suggested that demoralized, angry police officers might be less proactive or effective in dealing with violent crime. I think all bullshit. Um, and Jeff Asher, a crime analyst who writes extensively about homicide trends, um, he examined 60 cities and found no correlation between the number of Black Lives Matter protests and the size of a city's homicide increase. Um, I've also read um, that there's that, that you know crime has increased in... GOP-led cities, as well as Democrat-led cities, small towns, as well as big cities, places with very huge protests, places with no protest movement whatsoever, um, places where they defunded the police, you know, the very few that did, let's be clear, um, places where they increased the police budget, so, like, none of these, you know, if people want to say, oh, they want to blame it on BLM, like, what about the places that didn't have that yeah. movement happen? <laughs> yeah, what, like, okay, bruh. Um, and so Asher explained, well, he warned that any policing-focused explanation for the homicide increase needed to also explain why the change would have only affected serious and deadly violence, which I think is a good point. It's like, why, if it has to do with policing and the effectiveness of, like, proactive patrols, etc., why is it only be, only violent crime and no other kind of crime that is being impacted by this? There, there isn't a clear explanation for that. Yeah, he said uh, most crime is down, including most felonies, serious crime. If deep, if the depolicing argument is correct, why did it only affect the uptick in violence and not other street crime? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, bro. Well, let's get into sort of the way that uh, our partisan uh, corporate oligarchy <laughs> is uh, fucking spinning this shit to rake in fundraising dollars and... So ruin our lives further. We've got GOP operatives in Washington who see this whole debate with the rising crime shit as like, you know, a potent centerpiece of how they're going to start running their campaigns for Senate next year in the midterm elections. It motivates the base party voters as evidenced by the primary fight in Mississippi's fourth district where Mike Ezel, Ezel, I think that's how you say that, who's a Gulf Coast sheriff, is centering his primary challenge against his incumbent rep, Stephen Palazzo, on defund the police or his opposition to it. And he's doing this even though the nigga he's running against shares the same sentiment. This is what I love. And it's fucking Mississippi. (laughs) I love this shit. It cracks me up when, like, the Republicans are to be like, Democrats want to defund the police. I'm like, I fucking wish, bro. Nah, they ain't doing that shit neither. They ain't even on that shit neither. Like, y'all, on the, y'all all on the same team. Don't even try to play with me about it. So this guy, Ezel, he was saying, in some districts, we focus on defund the police and the broader cultural fight. The culture oh, fight. He didn't say this. Uh, the, uh, the Republican the operative. Republican dude, yeah. But in many suburban districts, we took defund the police and turned it into a public safety issue about whether there should be increase or decrease in police in your neighborhoods and what public safety officials do to keep people safe. 
for, bro. In another state, Iowa Republican Governor Kim Reynolds had promised additional checks on police conduct after the whole George Floyd thing. You remember there was a point in time when the Republicans were pretending that it was like, oh, yeah, you know, George Floyd dying is bad and cops maybe aren't perfect, but they've all. There was this brief glimmering moment where they, yeah, they got so fucking jaw jaw jacked. They've regressed to the mean, you know, they're so, um. She did. She did say all that shit and paid that whole lip service during that whole thing, but now she plans on making it harder to sue police on the job, as part of her reelection strategy, and just like the further Republican regression to the mean. And then Biden, of course, rejected the framing of the defund the police movement during his 2020 bid for the White House, calling for additional resources for state and local law enforcement. It's been really funny to me to see like. My boomer parents that like were very down with the uprising. My dad said some crazy shit. Like when they burned down the Wendy's, he was like, "Well, we burned, we built this country. Uh, so what if we burn it to the ground?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> I have never heard you say something like that before. What? Oh, like goddamn, what the fuck?" And so like, but now like uh, like sharing memes about oh, pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Like not realizing it gives like. Was it 750 million more dollars to the police to specifically to so that they can investigate themselves when they kill us <laughs> so not to prevent them from killing us just like oh to have more money to find out get to the bottom of it like we know what happens when they get to the bottom of it if i can protect each other uh and uh, say that no, they did nothing wrong bro so anyway um just it's like just any it's other just like a uh, crime family does it's just yeah exactly um, but yeah, the lack of clarity about where uh, the White House stands on policing was said as the cause for the disappointing results in several congressional races, or I guess the would-be White House at the time during the 2020 presidential election. And Democrat, uh, Democratic activist groups are trying to figure out how best to respond, if at all, to the Republican line of attack. I just think that, uh, I mean... Running for him, it looks makes you look like a fucking stupid baby. Like, oh, no, I want to give the cops more money. The opposite of what he said. It's just like, why are you letting them run the debate? For pure, on a pure. They're fucking reactionaries, man. On a purely political end of it, it's like, why are you drawing attention to. Like, I'm just. This is just, you know, purely like thinking like political nuts and bolts. It's like, you can't control what activists say. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't even, it's like the, the fact that they're so worried about it and they want to like squirm themselves and, and twist themselves in pretzels over something that they know that they don't agree with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't, I don't even, it just seems like you're, you're playing into their hands to begin with. You know what I'm saying? So. And I mean, I, I don't know if this is effective politicking or not, but I just feel like morally, it makes the most sense. And this is an analogy, um, I guess I would say got a friend who's running for mayor in like a moderate sized city in North Georgia and um, people are trying to, and he's a, you know, he's a Democrat, people are trying to like pin him in the corner because it's more of a rural red leaning area about CRT we're like, well what do you think about CRT like, ooh, he's running to be mayor, he's not running to be your school principal or your superintendent or teach your gym class, he's running to be mayor and so I keep telling him over and over again and when people come at you with that stuff pivot back to what the mayor does and what you're really about and how embarrassing 
that these like GOP dudes are making it about the culture war when like literally people can't afford housing, people can't afford food, you know, our environment is, is, is our fucking oceans are on fire. Like, can we real talk about some real shit? And that honestly is what my advice to Democrats would be like, oh, you're trying to defund the police. Like, you know what? That's a local issue. You know, what happens with police departments is a local thing. And it's embarrassing that y'all are trying to like bring it back to this when the reality is people need jobs. We need infrastructure. We need climate action. And y'all are trying to make this about like culture war slogans again. Yeah. I mean, but I just, I have like this really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that this shit is working. Well, I have a really bad feeling. I'm sorry. um, Yeah. During the election, when like Kenosha went down, yeah, and Democrats were starting to get a little scared about, oh, this whole Trump law and order message is going to start sticking. I personally wasn't really sweating it because, you know, I mean, I just I saw that that's that's what they were doing, but I didn't think it was going to be effective. But now I think, you know, I think the culture war issues are going to stick a little bit more, partially due to a lot of factors, but. You know, I think there definitely is a, a good amount of the population that's susceptible to it. Well, we should probably get to this in a future episode sometime soon with, yeah. like, the, the fucking ocean be on fire shit. I don't even think, like, I mean, I, I like, I am I am concerned about it, about, the, you know, obviously, obviously, as like, as an abolitionist, this is, like, a key framework through which I, like, you know, sift policy and policy decisions. But, like, yo, we... Also, at the same time, like, we all about to, like, literally burn and die. Uh-huh, exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I don't even know. It is very I, hot. Like, it's, it's very hot it out there, It is very hot, and people it's, are dying, and uh, our infrastructure is melting. Like. And so, I just, with all Y'all remember thing, when it wasn't this hot? So, when, so, I guess I say that, though, because when people get to be like, oh, what's the impact going to have on the midterms? And I, like, can't even, I'm just like, none of these people are going to save us. Holy shit. Like. I do. I almost don't even give a fuck. But in terms of some of the quote unquote crime wave prevention, yeah. what are some effective things that you feel that like you know fuck fuck the the policy end? Like what are what are some effective things that you think that people can do in their communities themselves to like reduce yeah. reduce some of the violence that we are seeing? I mean, in Athens particularly, and I think this is. I mean, it's it's as, exacerbated here, but I'm sure it's true of many countries around the around or many cities around the country. Um, we have a we have a working poverty problem. We got a uh, 38% poverty rate, but a you know like a three percent unemployment rate. So we got 30% of the city who are working full time and still can't make ends meet. So why wouldn't you go rob somebody of their stash? And maybe get in the shootout, or you get home from your, you know, your, you you worked all day at school, and now you're gonna go ride the sanitation truck tonight. You get home and you get into a dispute with your wife. Why wouldn't it come to hands yeah. when you're stressed out about how you're gonna feed five kids working 80 hours a week? Like, um, I think the issue is just like if people had more economic security, they'd be able, they'd be more liberated to make choices for like healthier choices for themselves. Be that escaping a abusive relationship because they can afford their own housing or going back to school just for the hell of it to find your passion and what you love and enjoy um, or seeking out mental health counseling or 
Just any of the things that like make it easier to breathe. Like money can't buy happiness, but yeah, fuck that. Yes, yeah, it can. It can. <laughs> but fuck that. Yes, it can. Um, and so I think the economic stability is a crucial point there. Um, and so through that, like you know, I've been working with this organization. We're trying to provide opportunities for youth to help, sort of help them grow into productive and healthy adults. You know, just see a path like, oh, yo, it's cool to be into other things and not that, you know, aren't the streets. But also we're trying to get people, you know, young men trained up to get their CDL license so that they can fill in some of these bus driver shortages, et cetera, around town. And not only take these less than living wage jobs, but train up enough of them where they can go in as a bargaining unit from the jump and say, yo, look, y'all got a shortage of 10 drivers. 10 of us apply for this job. We'll, we'll all take it. We'll end your driver shortage right now if we get a $5,000 like uh, salary increase over what y'all are offering us. So stuff like that. Ways of like not only giving people that economic empowerment, but like really like supercharging it by teaching folks these um, these um, the value of collective, collective bargaining from mm-hmm. the jump. Like we're going to get you a good job, but also we're going to bring you in with a squad such that y'all have leverage to get the working conditions and the benefits, et cetera, that y'all really deserve. Um, I think that's a fundamental piece, and I could go on and on. I mean, like, I think with um, I mean, exercise I do frequently with people who are like, well, what about XYZ crime? Sort of like asking them, okay, well, why do you think someone did that? Oh, you're scared someone's going to break into your house to see your TV? Why would he do that in the first place? And getting out of the roots of like, oh, is he a drug addict? Does he need treatment so okay your house wouldn't have got broken into if you if he had gotten drug treatment yeah or oh he broke into your house because he need money because he can't feed his kids well let's address that situation and your house wouldn't even get broken into etc i think there's a lot of directions it can go in but very often i feel that it falls down to economic empowerment having that the, the liberty to make choices for yourself um and, and choose healthy ones rather than being caught in cycles of 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 harm in your community that you're just forced into um, by nature of not having any resources. Well, yo, do you want to listen to some rap songs? Never. I fucking hate rap music. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. Let's we'll, get it. We'll be right back with the music discussion after the jump. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. 
And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Okay, so we are back. So we're going to get into some rap songs that provide a little bit of a narrative that kind of gets you into some of these situations that we've been speaking of where, you know what I mean? Everyday things are going on and then all of a sudden violence breaks out and then it's a statistic that we're reading that's part of some number, you know, in some city somewhere. So I tried to lean for stuff on the more serious and with me saying that, the first song we're going to listen to is the song Big L's Casualties of a Dice Game. Now, for some of you who have heard Casualties of a Dice Game, you'll know that the second half of it, it kind of gets pretty crazy and turns into a movie. It is <laughs> not like the realistic scenario that, which I'm describing, but the first half of it very much is like, you know, some like a, a real narrative that very much feels like, oh man, this could be the whole story for something that you just see as a news headline. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So let's check out this is Big L Casualty of a Dice Game. And I'm a gamble until he come back. Why not? Click clack, cock the gap back, gotta be strapped. The game was mad packed. Mad Tells the story of a character going to a dice game and he's armed because everybody's they're gonna have lots of money on them and he's gonna have lots of money on them too and you never know what could happen. He goes, he starts winning the game, and then on his way home, he's being followed by the dudes who he won the money from, and a shootout occurs, leaving yeah. everybody injured and dead or whatever. Yeah, innocuous, just like someone saw an opportunity to get some quick cash, both through, you know, probably an illegal dice game happening on the corner, to then someone's like, yo, that motherfucker just left with 40, 50 Gs or some shit. Um, let's, let's get him. Let's get that money. Word. And if you listen to the rest of the song, like I was saying, Big L gets real nuts with it. And it yeah. becomes kind of like a fantasy crime story at that point. But that opening part of it, it definitely struck me as something that was rooted in, oh man, that sounds like a real situation. For the next joint, we have a song by Murs called Walk Like a Man. Let's check out a little bit of this. See my dude drop, time stop. Couldn't believe what I seen was struck by reality when the two girls screamed. And so, yeah, I mean, like a very simple, you know, they're painting a really vivid portrait of a very simple altercation, a misunderstanding, it seems, escalating into violence when it's really, and it's really easy to get that far when everybody got guns. So, in the story, he's uh, talking about him and his friend on the strip. They see some girls that they go and holler at, and they didn't see that there was a guy in the car. So when they went and knocked on the door, the dude thought that they were trying to rob him, and he got out. Altercation occurred, and uh, the rapper, the rapper's friend ended up getting killed. So, you know, just like you said, everybody's, everybody's armed. So something that's a misunderstanding that at worst could have been a fight. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, it could have been a fist fight or some shit. Yeah. Ends with somebody dead. Now, this next track, I struggled with including it solely just because, you know, I feel like we've been having a lot of Nas songs. Lately. Oh, no. You know, not I really. mean, Nas, it hasn't been that bad. I, I hey, I, I never, I just, I just, you know, we we are not paid by Nas, but damn it, the man writes some good songs. We're gonna check out this track that I think should probably be more popular of something in his catalog than it is, but it is the track off of his Stillmatic album. I think that was back in 2001. And it is the song Rewind. Let's check that out real quick. Backwards, it starts at the ending. The bullet goes back in the gun. The bullet holes closing his chest of a nigga. Now he back to square one. Screaming, shoot, don't flee. But yeah, like the, 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 unique, <laughs> the unique thing about this song is that he tells the story in reverse. But it's... It's just a that was that's probably like the standout aspect of the song. But in terms of the overall storytelling, it's just a simple story of, you know, some some gangster guys having a night that turns into somebody seeing a person that's a target and then they go after him. Yeah, I was I actually never understood that, that song was all going backwards. <laughs> I just thought I was like. I was like, no, I was just being fucking wild, just like, just being wild with it, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, my, I know the song, the song my, is my, backwards. Yeah. I, I gotta say that album is definitely not my favorite album, but that song is one of his best songs. I think that shit needs to get more props than it does. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the week. That's it. That's it. Stay safe. Love one another. Build community networks of care. So we can just like just keep ourselves it's safe. Real in the fields, because it's it's wild out here. It's wild out here between state violence and violence, inter intercommunal violence. Man, I mean, it's hard times as we recover from the economic fallouts of the year that has been. But if you watch each other's back, support each other, we can get out of this together. And we're gonna help you out by giving you some dope rhymes. Hey, Joel, why don't you drop a drop a beat for us? Pretty please. I'm walking with a Debo Steez, a big ego. Now give me all your C-notes, please. Bag's empty. I don't really see no cheese. These niggas rap like they're working with the GOP. It's dope. Let me give you nothing. I ain't little bit of frontin'. We was at a house party. They blasted six or something. 2021 guns. Everybody sticks and bustin'. We out the pandemic. Everybody rips is touching. It's disgusting. Instead of going, giving people health care. They just gave a bunch of shots. Now we watch the shells flare. Hell yeah. Now your city's really in the pits. 100-pound dudes talking about they really with the shits. I'm the Knife. I don't need a Mac Millie with the clip. I just host this podcast, act silly when I spit. <laughs> and I must admit, I'm ice trade, but I gotta say, bucks and six, dope. I'm watching MSNBC and looking at the crime rates. Cops and criminologists telling me it's a crime wave. Higher than a skyscraper. How many people die today? Between the COVID and the kids up to no good and I rape. But is it really popping off like the nine K's? It doesn't really help the narrative. Like the billions that we spend on jelly kids is so imperative. Instead of giving it to their parents or school systems, that's there on some therapy. Give them jobs making $20 an hour Cause the safest of place is always economically empowered Watch them wither like a weed, watch them flourish like a flower It's a policy decision, the option is always ours Hey, this is hey, Dope Knife Hey, I'm Lingua Franca And we are waiting on reparations See you next time See ya Peace Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. 
Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.